So my idea of uh, topping off my drink before we started basically amounted to just adding more vodka and a piece of ice. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> That's good enough. Hey. Okay. All right, I'm ready when you are. Ready? And three, two, one. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Good morning. I don't know. I guess I don't know when anybody's listening to us. Uh, Good afternoon. I guess, I guess the, the stats say as soon as we post this, everybody listens to it, so... <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll experiment. I'll take that. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is the Drunken UX podcast. Uh, I am your host, Michael Feenan. I'm your co-host, Aaron Hill. Co-host. No, you're you're the other host. The other host. The other. I'm like I'm like pork. I'm the other white meat. <laughs> That's. I I want to make a joke about that, but that, that would just be mean. I I can't do that to you. <laughs> hey, I want I want to let everybody know that the Drunken UX podcast is brought to you by Gas Mark Eight. So you can check them out at gasmark8, the number 8.com slash drunk. If you like uh, what we're doing, give them a shout out. Let them know that you appreciate their support of us because we appreciate their support of us uh, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, also, what, 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 what the what? No, <laughs> would you do something would, already? I got to remember everybody, Mike. Don't remember everybody. Oh my gosh. Just remember us. I was going to say remind. Jesus, this is like. Only my first drink tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to check us out at drunkenux.com. And you can uh, join us on Slack at drunkenux.com slash Slack. Also on Twitter and Facebook at drunkenux. Rem- remember us there. Yeah, we need to like cram all that into like a smaller thing. I don't know how yet, but <laughs> it's like it's this. It's the same thing everywhere. We're just drunken UX. You can find us, I swear. <laughs> yeah. We are not that hard to track down. Uh, also, you run by the side after this. Uh, let us know. We're going to be talking about our first websites tonight and, and how ashamed of them we are. So if you have any <laughs> fond or otherwise memories of your stuff, also be sure to run by our website and you can comment there. We'd love to hear your stories. Um, so today, this evening, this morning, uh, well, it's this, that's, let's be fair. It is this evening as we are recording this, so I don't feel bad about drinking in the evening. Uh, I'm uh, going a, a little bit old school with just some uh, Tito's vodka and sweet tea, and and I want to give a shout out to Tito's. Uh, this is a a little shameless, but I I don't care. Um, oh right, I uh, am lucky enough to have partnered up with Imager and uh, Tito's Vodka. They've started a program called Project Stardust. Um, this is an awesome gig that they are putting together where every quarter they're going to reward uh, award not reward but award um an imagerian a five thousand dollar grant basically to go out and do great stuff in their community and i I heard about somebody doing that in kansas yeah yeah if only if only there was somebody we knew who was involved in this that thought hey (laughs) uh tito's is a cool company i'm gonna drink their vodka from now on (laughs) That's, I feel like I'm shilling. I'm I'm really not. I I actually had never had Tito's vodka before a couple weeks ago, and yeah, it's a pretty good vodka. I do give it, them it really is. Um, yeah. but at any rate, uh, I was lucky enough to be asked to be involved in this because of some charitable work I've I do every year. Um, and 
it, it's going to mean great things for the community. I bring it up mainly to say if you use Imager um, and you're a charitable person and you're doing you're you're actively involved in your community, be watching for more information on Project Stardust. Um, we will be sharing a lot more there once uh, some other stuff happens that's in the works, uh, and other people will then be able to apply, and you'll be able to go and and try to get money for your community as well. So that's sort of the plug slash. Uh, uh, I'm patting myself on the back a little bit, I guess maybe, but <laughs> I just I I thought it was awesome. I, I thought it was you know it's a good an incredible thing, thing and it, it it was you know totally unsolicited on my part. Uh, they wanted to do this and i thought that's that's just fucking cool so yeah here's to you tito's appreciate you guys <laughs> i've got a uh svetka who is not doing anything cool with imager as far as i know but they make good vodka and it's uh, mixed with a weird iced tea i got from a gas station while driving home and uh some orange juice i just like pour shit into a glass <laughs> yeah so so <laughs> Uh, man, I don't know. That that sounds a little bit uh, uh... <laughs> there there's probably a name for it, but I think the name is like represented by a prime number or something. Like it's not that's not a, a cute name, it's just a no. Svetka's it's Polish vodka, isn't it? Swedish. Swedish, okay. Well yeah. Nor Northern European, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's it's funny to me because right the, the best vodka is you know, it's a, it's basically a neutral spirit. It's not really supposed mm -hmm. to taste like anything. The better it is, the less it should taste like anything. But like with right. this Tito's, I I find it has like almost a kind of sweetness to it. Huh. Not not necessarily a flavor, but just a sweetness. And I, and I actually found it very pleasant. Whereas uh, I I like Stoli as well, but Stoli mm -hmm. has kind of a very alcoholy mm -hmm. timber to it, shall we say? Yeah. You should get Spud Cut Try. You might like I, it. It's, I made it's a lot smoother than Absolute and Stoli. I, uh, I, I used to be a vodka guy, then I became a scotch guy, and I, I forget how nice vodka is because you can mix it with anything. And it also doesn't, like, break your bank buying a bottle of it. <laughs> yeah, also true. Yeah, yeah. So, but we're both iced tea and vodka guys tonight, so twinsies. Woo! <laughs> uh, starting out this evening, so the news just broke, um, and of course you guys will be hearing this in a few days, so you will maybe already know about this, but um, Flickr has been bought by SmugMug. Oh, again. This, yeah, again. <laughs> in, in all fairness, uh, Flickr did have a fairly long run at Yahoo, not necessarily a glorious one, but they they have been bounced around quite a bit, and I'm I'm hopeful that the SmugMug acquisition sticks right yeah like I, I want them to i want Flickr to have a home and do you think do you think that smug mug will allow Flickr to remain Flickr, or are they going to like assimilate like the borg smug mug itself has absolutely said Flickr is Flickr. it's not okay. going anywhere um it's not going to change. They're keeping they they appreciate and respect the community that's there, and they see cool. it as a very different service from their normal offering. So they're kind of just being stewards of the brand and taking it over from Yahoo. Uh, that kind of sounds like it. Yeah, um, that's cool. I you know I I do photography. Uh, it's a hobby of mine. I let's let's say I am. Uh, Oh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? I'm a prosumer. 
an enthusiast is that maybe the way to put it i don't get paid to do it but i do spend a lot of money to do it. <laughs> uh, i you know i have good gear i do i've spent money on lenses i've got tripods i've got fancy lights i've you know i i like to have that equipment so i i i do my fair share and i have used Flickr. I think since about 2006, 2005, mm. and I've been a pro user that whole time as well. So I've watched, especially as Flickr has moved between owners, I've watched really closely because I'm always worried that my $25 a year, completely unlimited, like, mm -hmm. you get everything plan, I keep worrying that they're going to take that away from me. <laughs> I I used to use it a lot. I uh, I started around the same time you did. Um, I did pro a few years just for the additional having access to the additional photos, but um, I forget why I stopped using it. It was around the time when Yahoo took it over. It yeah. was just I think my priorities changed. So what if, I was doing. If people don't know, like Flickr has bounced around. So Flickr was founded in two thousand and four. Um, they were their own company for about two years, uh, give or take. I think it was around two thousand and six. Yahoo came in. Yahoo bought them. Um, was not happy about it then, um, and most people weren't uh, for good reason. Yahoo didn't really do a lot with it and at times put it i think in dire jeopardy as a service yeah um a few years back what was it about 2013 i think it was um verizon came along well verizon bought yahoo so I, they didn't just buy Flickr. they oh, right. what spent four and a half billion dollars or something like that they bought yahoo and so Flickr became a verizon property at that point again nobody really knew what that meant then <laughs> Verizon, uh, or was it, I forget now how, how this went, AOL bought Flickr from Verizon, who then rolled it into another platform called Oath? Is that the way that worked, or did Verizon buy AOL? Now I can't remember. Um, hold on, let's, we'll, we'll, uh, I'm amazed that AOL is around enough that it's able to buy anything. Yeah, I, I, like, think... I thought, I thought it was just existing. <laughs> so, uh. Acquired, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Verizon acquired AOL um, and then rolled all of that together into this group called Oath. Mm -hmm. Huh. And if you think about kind of like how uh, Google sort of spun off Alphabet, who owned yeah. Google or who owns Google. Oh, right. It kind of right. maybe it was sort of a reverse thing like that. I don't I don't want to get maybe stuck in the, the details of the business transaction necessarily. So up until the last couple of years, this group called Oath had all of AOL stuff and Flickr as part of that. And still huh. not much happening. Um, yeah. You know, during all of this time, there was a lot of concern like Instagram, you know, was a, a little up and comer at that point mm -hmm. and Everybody was going to, to Instagram and then Facebook buys Instagram and people thought, you know, this is the future of photo sharing. And that's what Flickr's strength is. Flickr's strength is in their community component. Yeah. Um, and they thought Instagram was going to crush them. And they were for a while, um, especially in the mobile area, because Instagram was a mobile app. And Flickr's mobile app was just disgusting. It was terrible. Um, yeah, it was pretty awful. <laughs> but here's the thing. Flickr isn't Instagram. Um, they service two very different purposes. Just because they both deal with images doesn't make them at all the same, um, in my opinion. Does does Flickr 
chronologically order the stream or does it use an algorithm? Oh, no, no, no. Well, let me, no, I should rephrase. Um, your photo stream is very mm. much chronological. Now, then it is strictly better than Instagram, yeah. full stop. <laughs> your your user photo stream. Now, when you log in and you see like your your social feed of all the people you follow, mm-hmm. uh, I honestly don't know. I, I okay. don't know if there's an algorithm to that or not at this point. I would... I honestly would be surprised if there is, if only because of mm-hmm. how little they have evolved some of that. Uh, yeah. But here's the thing, and this is why this is why I think Smug Mug buying Flickr is good. Um, a Smug Mug is older than Flickr. Mm-hmm. Really? Uh, yeah, a lot of no people shit. don't realize that Smug Mug, I believe, was founded in two thousand and three. When was MySpace? When did that come around? Oh God! Was that 2002? Uh, hold on, let's see here. Uh, so Smug Mug, no, now Smug Mug launched in 2002. Uh, MySpace launch date. Listen to my keyboard. Uh, yeah, 2003. So okay. just right there at that same time. The bad part is I did actually look up these dates before the episode, and I didn't write <laughs> them down, and I forgot them. Uh, LinkedIn was also 2003, for what it's worth. So they were part of this sort of initial birth of social media you know the birth of mm-hmm. web 2.0 a couple other sites um facebook 2004 same year mm-hmm. um and another site just to give you uh, an, an idea of where we are today dig <laughs> oh no it didn't dig was in the news recently they got acquired by an ad company yeah oh yeah yeah dig is not dig yeah. has not been dig, dig. for years kind of like got rebuilt at one point yeah yeah if you like, if you liked Dig the original, just go back to Reddit. I think that that matters to me because Flickr, a Flickr has not changed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't look like it did in two thousand and four. That's yeah, obviously, but it also never felt the need to like re envision itself. Like yeah. where it is today is that is almost a perfect. Um, embodiment of that idea that you should never redesign a website. Right. You should always just be constantly incrementing so that yeah. a year from now you are different than you were as opposed to going three years and changing everything. I don't think – I think they've also never put ads on it, have they? Oh, no. There are ads. Um, That's part of what my special $25 a year pro plan gets rid of. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, but they aren't intrusive. They aren't like not like uh uh what's uh deviant art. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh yeah. Like it's not deviant art level intrusive. Um they were yeah, they were never bad. But the the thing about Flickr is it's kinda like a cockroach, I think. Um <laughs> and not in a bad way. I, I I only mean that as a metaphor for the fact that Flickr does not know how to die. Flickr should have died three deaths already, and it's right. still here. Do you remember 500 picks? Yes. Uh, or Fi- yeah. 500 PX? Yeah, it was like a sharing site, right? It's, it's still out there. It's still, you know, it's, it has become the Vimeo of the, the photo world. It is, okay. it is, as Vimeo is to YouTube, 500 picks is to Flickr. But 500 picks was the Flickr killer when it launched. Um, right, and I had an account on it for a little while because I thought that was going to be the future at that point. Um, 
I don't know anybody using 500 picks now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still there. It's you know still doing its thing. But uh, between pressure from Instagram, pressure from 500 picks, Yahoo tanking their mobile app and not knowing how to advance the Flickr platform as a whole, Verizon buying it out and spinning it off into Oath, which had no direction basically except to just hold on to these properties. Um, Flickr is still here. And it is still heavily used by photographers. And that's why I think it also beats out Instagram. Instagram is for everybody. Instagram is for anybody who takes a picture with their phone. That's not what Flickr is for. Right. Flickr is for people who showcase photos. One thing I really liked about Flickr um, was that they had a way to you could search based on license. Yep. So you could search for things with different kinds of licenses. So if you ever wanted to use a photo of something... You could find a photo and you could use it legitimately with the proper accreditation. Accreditation? accreditation? <laughs> I can't English tonight. <laughs> no, I'm glad the you proper bro- crediting. I'm really g- glad you bring that up, though, because I had thought the exact same thing and I forgot to put it in the notes. And nice. you pulled it out of your butt, so thank you. Slam dunk. <laughs> no, they were one of, one of, if not the first, to include Creative Commons licensing. Which you're absolutely right is huge, and we use it. We use it for the the podcast and and finding photos for uh, use on that. That um, it being able to search whether it's a public domain photo or whether it's something that is allowed to be used just under the license. Um, they were, as far as I know, they were one. Even if you went to like CreativeCommons.org, Flickr mm-hmm. was one of the only services that was like built into their license search. Yeah. They had a really good API too. I remember using that quite a bit. You know, you could uh, drop in like a PHP library or something, yeah. and then pull down your photo stream really easily. So I think I, you know, we well, I talk a lot about Flickr. I didn't talk much about SmugMug. I don't use SmugMug because I'm not a professional photographer. SmugMug is geared towards people who are trying to sell photos. That's you know that is really the the target of their market. Um, there's been a lot of commentary about this idea that. Smug Mug knows how to make money. They've been a paid mm-hmm. service since the day they launched. They understand mm-hmm. how that works. And I think that they have articulated that they understand why Flickr is different from them. Um, yeah. So ultimately, if nothing else, we have somebody at the steering wheel who understands imagery. That that wasn't Verizon. That wasn't you, uh, Yoohoo. <laughs> God, <laughs> neither of us. Ni- talk, neither right? of us are doing well tonight. Um, that wasn't <laughs> Yahoo. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's good. I think it is ultimately uh, going to be positive for the platform. I think it means the platform has a future, which is good. You know, unlike yeah. sites yeah, like Delicious. Remember Delicious mm. and how it bounced I around that site. at the end of its yeah. life. That was such a that was such a neat. I mean, that wouldn't be at all useful anymore. At the time, though, that was really awesome. Yeah, uh, We'll include a couple uh, links to articles in the show notes uh, about the Flickr Smug Mug uh, acquisition. And let us know what you think. If you're a photographer or you know you put out imagery for people to use, let us, let us know. Uh, I'll be interested to hear mm-hmm. other folks' uh, thoughts on it. Are, are you encouraged by it? Do you think it's bad? Um, everybody seems really – one of the, the threads I've seen going around is – Everybody really, really wants Smug Mug to rip like Yahoo login out of Flickr. They don't want Yahoo logins and all great. that. 
It's it's funny yeah. uh, the way that that's going. As of this evening, uh, I just I was trying to check Flickr right before we started recording tonight's episode, and I did notice that um, I'm getting an SSL certificate uh, revocation error. Huh. So I can't. And I am not. Yeah, I, uh, Aaron's not, but I'm getting it on, and I'm betting it's a DNS thing because I think they've moved mm. the Flickr servers off of Yahoo now on the Smug yeah. Mugs infrastructure. They were talking about moving it to AWS. And I'll bet my DNS is updated, yours isn't. Um, I can't even look at it, though, right now. <laughs> Who, who's your upstream provider? Um, well, I, my ISP is Cox. I use uh, Google DNS, though, so... Oh, okay. Uh, they should be on top of it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we'll see in the morning. So, this evening, we're talking about the past. Uh, a little bit about the future, too. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, episode seven, we got into talking about learning resources and mm-hmm. how you get a career in web development. And so kind of riding on the coattails of that, I thought it would be interesting to talk about not so much how we got into the industry, but how we got into it. Yeah. As it were. You know, talk about what web right. development used to be like for folks that yeah. don't don't realize what you know what it was like to get into building websites in the 90s and and real early 2000s um but also you know not just to go down i don't want to just go down this uh road of nostalgia for the sake of it i want <laughs> we'll we'll talk about how that compares to today as well in terms of some of the technology we use and the tools we're using and mm-hmm. what that might look like in 20 years <laughs> yeah when i when i when i got into it it was a full 10 years before I made it, before I was getting paid as a job for it. Yeah. But, but I mean, like that kind of experience today with the resources that are available, it would be more like one or two years. And actually, that, it's funny that you mentioned that because now that I do the math in my head, it was exactly a decade from when I started mm-hmm. building websites to when I started getting paid to build websites. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. I, I don't know what to do with that information, but it's interesting. <laughs> um, I do, and, faster now. <laughs> and I want to encourage our listeners too, because I know a lot of you. You, you may, I hope you have fun listening to this episode. But the thing I really want to encourage you to do is look for the kids in your life—the fifteen-year-olds, the sixteen-year-olds, the, 16 the you know, folks at the end of middle school, going into high school, who enjoy computers and like you know the web, not like Facebook and YouTube, like they like the web, and mm-hmm. hand them a link to this episode so they can hear what it used to be like and and what to think about, you know, as they move forward. Because I think that's going to be the real value in what we talk about tonight. Fair fair point, though. We we do curse in this show a little bit. We do so. curse in the show. Uh, and I, I will as the night goes on. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Just FYI. They've, they've heard it, I think, by this point. <laughs> right. Uh, so for me, uh, yeah, 1996, that was, that was my mm-hmm. year. What was your year, Aaron? Uh... Like the first time I ever wrote any HTML, I want to say it was ninety five. Oh, you did beat uh, me. Only by a little bit. I mean, I had a our ISP gave us like I think two megabytes of space. Yep. And um, and we I would do HTML and like we had to write it by hand. There was a it was a GUI editor, but it wasn't like a WYSIWYG editor. Like the what you see is what you get. Like everything now, it was um a web page with buttons. a giant text box. <laughs> no it was like a, a, a desktop app on for windows oh. 
and uh, it just had a bunch of buttons, and it just the buttons were just tags. So you would like type stuff and then hit the open tag and the close. I mean, you could also just type it manually. So it really wasn't. I think it was called Hot Metal. I don't, it, was a, it was a silly app, and it's probably long gone. But to, to give people some context too, like 1996 for me, that's two years before Google even exists. Yeah. You know, you yeah. were searching on what was it basically? Lycos. AltaVista. Oh, Excite. Lycos. Yeah. AltaVista. I think Yahoo was around at that point. Yahoo was Yahoo on, was big. What was ninety four, I think? No. Yahoo was the biggest at the time. They um they were uh I just listened to I'm Feeling Lucky by uh Douglas Edwards. He was employee number fifty nine at Google. And they, they talked about the the rise and fall, or the rise, rather, of Google. I need to and, listen um, to that audio Yahoo and book. AOL. Yes, I have to get that to you. Um, yeah, so yeah, uh, Yahoo 94 uh, was officially a company in 95, it looks like. They had, and we're going to get stuck in nostalgia, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I remember going to the Yahoo homepage, and it wasn't, uh-huh. it wasn't about, like, lexical search. It wasn't about typing in words and getting matches. It was right. about – it was, like, looking something up in the yellow pages. Yes, yeah, exactly. It, everything was, like, categorized, and you just went through into the category you wanted, and you got an index. Is it was a it portal was. page. It was a portal. Uh, yeah. So, funny you should mention yellow pages. I owned a copy of the Internet Yellow Pages, which was a physical book. It was about three inches thick like a actual yellow pages and it was full of yellow page style ads for websites you just type in the url and it was indexed on the front and back and um at the time i i would say it was reasonably comprehensive with what was available on the internet <laughs> well and it made sense because in the mid 90s we didn't think much about uh yeah, the number of websites there would be today. You know, it, it was right. conceivable that we could put out a paper directory that would have all the websites right. in them. Like that was yeah. that didn't seem unreasonable then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> for us, you know, that was how we learned too. So we we talk about mm-hmm. I I just for the context of we we talked in episode seven about all the tools out there and and going you know to all these learning resources and the stuff you can find. A lot of people go to YouTube, watch videos, all this. None of that existed for us. Um, it, yeah. and we couldn't even necessarily go get books or something like that because right. nobody was writing them at this point. There was there's an O'Reilly HTML book, and it was in the late '90s that it was published. Um, right around when uh, Frames came out with the HTML 2.0 standard. That would be right about right. I think I started around yeah. HTML 3.2, HTML 3.2 release, release date. Really? No, you you must have started sooner than that. 2, 2.0 was when Frames came out, I think. Uh, Well, that may be true, but it looks like, yeah, HTML 3.2 came out in 1996, May 7th. Oh, no shit. Okay. So, yeah, that would be right, for at least for me. Um. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, built okay. it, it is based upon HTML 2.0 and draws from such sources as HTML Plus and HTML 3.0 drafts by Dave Raggett of Hewlett Packard Laboratories. <laughs> so there you go. As oh, a, quick shout out to Tim Berners Lee. Thanks, man. In, in case you wonder <laughs> if we Google stuff during our show. Yes, <laughs> we do. Yes, we do. Uh, yeah. So a lot of our learning came from. I did two things very specifically. Mm. One, I looked at the source. <laughs> I looked yep. at a lot of source code, and yeah. I used uh, chat. Yeah, 
Yeah, did you use um, IRC or ICQ I, or AIM or? I I eventually did. Uh, yeah. When I first started working on stuff, it was me going to a library and using the computer oh, nice. at the library and nice. signing up for my hour slot where I would tie up that phone line and, and I would do that. All right, the phone lines. <laughs> now, once we got we we got our first computer in 1998, if I remember right. Yeah. And then that was when like the world of IRC opened up to me. I can install uh-huh. my own chat tool and use it. Yeah. And that was like I, a whole other world at that point. Is a fun piece of trivia. I can type about uh 100 to 110 words per minute. Um, but the way I learned to type was by using IRC because the screen, it, I was in a chat, a chat room with some friends and there was typically 20 to 30 people in there at any given time. And the text would scroll by so fast that to get a word in edgewise, I had to learn to type fast. And so the whole reason that I can type it all properly is because of IRC. So there you go. That's, you think social media started with MySpace? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that is not how it started. Uh, now I we were talking about this uh, before the show and and talking about our first mm. websites and I mentioned how uh, I've got a I had a site on GeoCities. GeoCities was one yeah. of the early web providers where you could go and GeoCities sign up. Great, they gave you free <laughs> space and you could basically do anything with it. And as I thought yeah. about this and I looked at archive.org, um, I was wrong. I started out on Angel Fire. Really? The the version of my site that I found on uh, on Archive made me uh-huh. realize that there were two versions before that. One of those was on GeoCities, but the yeah. other one had to have been on Angel Fire because it was not after. Because uh, oh. I as, when I left GeoCities, that's when I started doing my own. You know, I, I bought hosting and, and went that way. So somewhere, I don't remember the address. I can't find it if I had to. But somewhere out there, there may be a snapshot of this ancient site from Angel Fire that I wrote. And it was a Star Trek site. Oh, that's so cool. I was, I, I was a total Star Trek nerd in, in uh, middle school and high school. I still am. I love Star Trek. Um, and I was frustrated... By the number of sites I had to go to to find the things I was interested in. And so I thought, like all kids think, I can do better than them. And <laughs> so I set out. That was that was my inspiration for going out and building my first website was I can make something as good as the things that I am seeing. And so I tested yeah. myself, and that's that, that was like how my door opened up. I I didn't have such a story myself. I just put crap up on the internet that I liked and it it was uh your it was like live journal but it wasn't live journal. It was just the, the rantings of a late teen, early twenty something. <laughs> Hats off to anybody that can find my old sites. I don't think you'll be able to if I don't disclose it and I'm not going to. So <laughs> I did I did just find an archive though. <laughs> I am going to include a link to my well, third site, basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to include that in the show notes. Everybody else can shame Aaron. Ask Aaron. <laughs> ask, this week's Ask Aaron is... This week's Ask Aaron to... site is to ask him to share his first website. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll just read that. I'll redact all the text. <laughs> but in, in in that sense, a lot of folks did get started that way, though, just making a page mm-hmm. and throwing stuff up. Mark Zuckerberg. 
1999 yeah. had a site on <laughs> Angel Fire that people found. Uh, that is so awesome. We're going to link a, an article from Gizmodo in the show notes about this. That uh, it, go it was basically a little web page of him oh showing God. off some of his tools <laughs> that, that he played with and some of his favorite sites and all of this. And it's hilarious. The site itself is oh no longer God. up. I, I looked and, and tried to find it. It, it, is, it has officially been taken down. That is some very 1999 stuff right there. They have screenshots. Yeah. So, wow. Oh, he had some cool stuff on and, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense, though. And I think it's important to look at that stuff because especially when you're making your first sites and you're a kid – basically yeah you're you aren't an adult at that point well you are gonna just do what you what you think is cool and what you have fun with and for me it was as much about the the sense of accomplishment that i built something yeah and you look at all these toys today that that we're talking about and not getting into like the arduino stuff and all of that but Mm -hmm. certainly uh the lego what's uh my mine minecraft no 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 uh no the lego thing the oh uh, where you build robots i don't know we didn't oh we didn't have it when i yeah, was a I know kid. What you're talking about <laughs> yeah the, yeah it's like a mixture of like uh, an erector set with legos right yeah yeah and it's got yeah. the little programmable thing here lego uh-huh. uh i i may be wrong mindstorm is that what it is uh no that sounds right oh yeah mindstorm there we go i was right yeah oh yeah but no and you're absolutely on the on the mark though minecraft um yeah that uh, I, my buddy's got some has got three kids, uh, mm-hmm. and they're young. I mean, I think his oldest is six. Both my kids do stuff with redstone, and I'm just like, I can do a little things with redstone, but like my son is a freaking wizard with it. It's amazing what he can do. I I can't look at a kid and tell if they're like three or eight. <laughs> I have no. It's it. They're basically this. I mean, you know, small differences. So but... <laughs> all all of them are six to me. I just kind of split the difference. Right. But no, they they not only like a they watch these Minecraft videos certainly on YouTube, but mm-hmm. now they are at the point where they play it. They have uh a, they yeah. have a tablet and a touchscreen computer and all this. So yep, they are playing Minecraft. But it's it is a very similar thinking. You know, this idea of hey. I can go build something and then I can see this thing I built and it's, I'm not making it for anybody else. I'm not making it because I want, you know, the world to see it. I'm making it because I want to know that I can do it. Yeah, definitely. I would say that's very much the, uh, the Minecraft thing. HTML is like the ultimate. I want to just build something playground. Yeah. Uh, And nobody can tell you what those limitations are really. You can tell when someone learned HTML a long time ago and hasn't kept their skills updated if they do all of their tags in all caps. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it, I don't think it was ever required to be all caps, but everyone, myself included, did all of our HTML in all caps, and that's a hard habit to break. <laughs> <laughs> so just to – and this is sort of more for context than anything, but you know, everything mm. at this point was basically done with FTP. Uh, yeah. GeoCities, when they started really pushing their service, they finally added the page. It was a page mm-hmm. with a text box and a submit button. And yeah. the text box just, you vomited HTML into it, but it saved it. It was, I I call it, it was a, an FTP wrapper, basically. Like, a, right. GeoCities was kind of a container that wrapped around yeah. FTP because it didn't do anything but they else. Would, 
you when you made an account with them though, they would give you the FTP info and you would yeah. connect to it with FTP and upload it. Yeah, you could connect and even after yeah. they introduced the web interface, you could still use your FTP connection. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have databases. That just wasn't a thing. It's nope. not that they didn't offer it. That just wasn't something we had. Um, right. We had JavaScript, but it was <laughs> rudimentary to the point that nobody really used it. Java JavaScript was like, um, it was the tool that you used to make to animate things on your page or have mouse responses or to do things like uh, type your name in here and then click this button and then it says something mean about you using your name. Pop-ups. Oh, pop-ups too. Al- yeah. Alerts. There, there was a lot yeah. done with alerts at that point. Um, so obviously yeah. no jQuery, no DOM manipulation, right. no nothing like that existed. Um, yeah. CSS, not even a didn't thing. Exist. Didn't exist. You did everything in, in attributes. BG color. There was... There was a three-year or two or three-year period where there was kind of a gap in me doing anything with like web stuff, and that was that that was when CSS came out. And when I started getting back into web, I was like, "The fuck is cascading style sheets?" <laughs> <laughs> it was like I, I was still doing table-based layouts back then. Um, if you needed to do anything complicated, you know, now of course PHP is kind of the standard for any right. of that, but again, didn't exist at that point. Right. Uh, or at least it wasn't available. It maybe I don't. How long is here? Here we go. Here's next Google. When yeah. did PHP launch? Let's see. Hold on. What is it? Nineteen ninety four. So it did exist. Ninety four. It it did exist. Interesting. But it certainly was not being offered at that point. Um, I'm sorry. Ninety five. No, not first by Nineteen ninety five, according to the, wow. the wiki. That's OG. Yeah, twenty three years ago. Old enough to vote and drink. But everything you could do applications if you were willing to jump into Perl, uh, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, any any application or anything you'd post back would always have a CGI dash bin in the URL. Yeah. Um, and but like it wasn't you couldn't get it through GeoCities or any of those other things, and like my ISP didn't offer CGI, so like doing anything that was involved posting back to the server was um not really as feasible as it is now. It was the read-only web. Yeah. That's what it was. It was the read-only yeah, web. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I eventually did get... I I used a platform that used CGI, and I always remember that it was the tool that I will forever remember as being the thing that broke constantly and never told me why. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have access to server logs. I didn't have access to any kind of, of debugging stuff. It would just, like, 500 error... And all I could find would be to do something like reinstall it, or <laughs> it, there was there right. was no two ways about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I mean that's what the world was like though, and I think in kind of ending on that piece of it, it, it was the read only web. We put stuff out and people came to it. One last thing, just just for context of how different things were, um, my friend of mine in in high school, this was before Napster. But after MP3s came out, so um, when before MP3s, my friends and I would trade music on like from cassette tapes and stuff over IRC as WAV files. But they're massive, you know, ten megabytes per minute. So like a song was typically fifty megs, which is a lot when your storage is like maybe four hundred megabytes on your hard drive. And you're on a thirty-three point six baud mode, K baud mode. <laughs> if you're lucky, <laughs> but but MP3s, it was like it would reduce it uh, down to about one meg per minute. 
And so my friends in high school and I, we would put MP3s up like onto a GeoCities site. And that was totally legal to do then. <laughs> well, whether or not it was legal was questionable. It wasn't. It wasn't but illegal. No, yeah, nobody was thinking about yeah. it. Uh, that it was gray, gray area. is fancy uh, because I remember middies. Oh yeah, yeah. You remember people yep. making oh my God. MIDI versions of of songs? <laughs> Put it on their website <laughs> and going out and finding I... <laughs> who who has made the best MIDI version of Alanis Morissette. Ironic. <laughs> so we talked uh, in episode seven about you know one of the things if you are interested in web development you should learn the holy trinity mm -hmm. holy trinity being html css javascript the the foundations of a website i was thinking about it that didn't exist for us yeah html was all of the things um design was not different from layout and code and programming <laughs> yeah. for that kind of like it was all one thing right um and that's not to say it's, it was good bad uh more or less work it's just to say it was it, very it was it required it was a very different way of thinking yeah yeah well i mean if you wanted um i mean you could do semantic html right where you just do the top to bottom and a lot, like a lot of like really old websites or people who have not bothered updating their skills since then still do that. Um, but the people who, who are like, you know, want to have a nice brand or something, they'll take an image in Photoshop and slice it up and then put them as table cell background images. Yeah. So you had table based layouts. Uh, that was real hot in uh, the late 90s. And that was the first time that we, I think, started thinking about web design as a different yeah. discipline from web development. Yes. We did exactly that. The The very first – so the first website I made isn't necessarily the first website I did, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like I made sites, but the first website I built to be like I'm going to make a thing and mm -hmm. have it be a thing. It had its own domain name. It existed as a self-contained entity. It was a, a site called supersatellite.com uh, named, okay. named after the Our Lady Peace song. And it was oh, nice. it was all about local entertainment. So we would go out, we would we would write huh. movie reviews, we would go out and do concert reviews, things like that. Uh, actually, for our area, an incredibly successful site when we put it out. Cool. Uh, but it was also the first site that I did what you just described. My idea of design was going into Photoshop, building how I wanted it to look, and then mm -hmm. figuring out how to carve that up. And put it yes. onto the web page. You drag the guides into it, carve it up into cells, and you do the snap to guide and use your select tool, and then yep. pop them out. And that was that was the start of that because before that, everything up to that, the closest thing we got to design for me anyway. And I'm disappointed. So I mentioned I'll have a link to the archive.org uh, uh, snapshot of my old site, but my navigation was a because mm -hmm. I said I'm a, I was a Star Trek nerd. Yeah. It was a Lacars interface <laughs> that I designed. I I did it myself in I don't even huh. know what I was using at that point in time. It must have been paint, I guess. Yeah. But it I do remember and I would like if I looked at it and I said sixteen year old me built that, I'd be like yeah. Fuck yeah, you go, sixteen year old Michael. <laughs> That's awesome. Like it it looked good. Um and yeah. it was an image map. Nice. 
and so talk about you know carving things up into cells remember going in and trying to pinpoint the pixel dimensions for your oh, hitboxes i had a tool for that yeah there was a tool that you, you could do that with. oh i did it manually was... <laughs> i oh did it the God, hard way glutton for punishment <laughs> but i i say i'm disappointed because the snapshot for whatever reason it saved almost my entire site except that oh that the image map isn't that there uh and that if any I, i'm genuinely sad about that <laughs> we we had to use um so like you can use the the hover pseudo class now in css but but if you wanted to have like mouse interactions where if you hover over something it lights it up um you'd have to use on most out on on most over god <laughs> on mouse we're over. only about 25 minutes yeah. in man 30 minutes in I come know. on uh, get it together dude and on and then on mouse out when you move the mouse off of it, um, which worked pretty well. You would have problems sometimes because of junk. Eventually, uh, so we started this whole thing. You know, everything was either FTP or you mm -hmm. went to a web page and saved it through that. But it was just raw HTML files, basically images as best you could do. Um, I do remember uh, remember VRML. Mm hmm. That yeah. that was sort of the first kind of interactive Java applet 3D kind yeah. of thing. Oh, and everybody confused Java and JavaScript. Oh yeah, that was yeah. well, that was their own fault. <laughs> they should have known better. <laughs> we had yeah, so we had Java, JavaScript, VRML, DHTML was kind of mm -hmm. a thing. It wasn't. It was yeah, yeah. It, that's that that's uh trying to make fetch a thing. That's what DHTML was. Like if DHTML is not going to be a thing, stop trying to make it a thing. <laughs> but that was when JavaScript people kind of realized, hey, yeah, we can start using was, JavaScript to do cool things. Yeah, we well, we didn't know any better. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but it's it's all extremely important because it's how we got here. Oh, and navigation had to be manually reproduced on every page unless you knew how to do either server-side includes and your web server was Apache-based or you were lucky enough to come in late and have access to PHP. So here's the fun part about that. Uh, I, of course, WordPress was not a thing. That, that just didn't right. exist. Uh, uh, by the time roughly 2000 hit, 2000 is when you can honestly say people were able to get into the web development game and do so mm -hmm. in a way that was meaningful to a career. Uh, doing it in the 90s was all about learning, you know, figuring out what we could nobody do. knew what the fuck they were doing in the 90s. Like even like, you know, Coca-Cola and anyone else like they they're like, what the Internet? Yeah. Just, that, that's that's all be gone. Oh yeah, no, we and <laughs> it's it's like we said earlier that this idea that that there were no standards, there was no discipline mm -hmm. behind it. It was just the web. You know, you were the yeah. webmaster. That's what you. That's that was your role. If do you do you ever watch Halt and Catch Fire on um it's on Netflix? I can I can honestly say I have no clue what you're talking about. It's it's a cool show. Each season is like a different epoch in the world of IT. The first one is like the first personal computers. The second one is like BBSs. The third season is, um, I forget. But the fourth season, the most recent one, they're um 
they're getting involved in the search engine slash portal world. And it's right as like Yahoo is starting to pick up Steam. Um, but it's like, if you, if you want to know, if you're curious and you want to know what the web was like in the mid to late 90s, that season is spot on. Spot on. Now I feel bad that I haven't seen it because it sounds like it's right Oh, it's, dude, it's totally, it's great. It's great. I'll have to check that out. Uh, so what? Wait, say yeah. the name again for for the listeners. Halt, halt, and catch fire. Halt and catch it's fire. It's on Netflix, and the music. If you use Spotify, the the halt catch fire team puts together playlists from the show that are like for each season, and the playlists are fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, so much good stuff. Is, on is there. it a Netflix original? No, it's AMC. I think. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think you'd like it. It's a cool show. So to talk about brands, though, uh, the the classic adage: uh, Do you have you been to SpaceJam dot com? <laughs> is that still yeah. up? Uh, oh my god! It, it is both still up and still exactly as it was in nineteen ninety six. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I don't know that it was the first oh, movie website that ever, anybody ever put out, but it you know it's definitely the only one that's still out there and still looks the same. Uh, that is. Kudos to Warner Brothers for keeping that up. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it does redirect Holy to shit. Warner Brothers' website now, but they've they have kept it exactly as it is. And you know, oh. at this point, you know, they keep it because of the joke, basically. It but, even uses frames. But talking about <sighs> brand, you know, brands trying to figure out how do we use this new thing? What what yeah. on earth do we do with this website? Um. You know, Space Jam kind of put it out there and said, "Let's let's go nuts. Let's try to figure out what we can do with it." This, this I this made me remember um, the navigation thing I mentioned earlier. The other method to do was frames. Yeah, you could put your navigation into a top frame and then have it target the main content here. And that way, it wouldn't wait, have to. I, I forget now. When did frames come out? <laughs> <laughs> HTML two. I I remember when <laughs> frames was like that was the thing. Like that was just what you were supposed to do. And yeah, almost immediately oh, everybody's yeah. like, "Oh, don't use frames." <laughs> yeah, it was. There was yeah. like a six month I window think... there where you were really confused. <laughs> <laughs> I think HTML three is when tables came out, wasn't it? Or were they out? Uh, you're quizzing me on something that Maybe. now I'm just gonna get yeah. sad that I don't. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. So <clears throat> when 2000 hit, <laughs> bring, your, bring it back in. Uh, I, I listen, folks. I made a really big glass of of Tito's and and sweet tea here, so, uh, and it's gonna get refilled at the break. When two thousand hit, so the first website I built that was a real genuine website used a CMS. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where I emphasize WordPress didn't exist yet. Uh, <laughs> that what did you use? So there was a platform that okay. came out. So we were talking earlier about CGI and how important CGI yeah. was to any kind of interaction. There was a system right. called NewsPro. Now, I don't know if huh. NewsPro is still around. Um, I don't yeah. think they are, because I didn't use them. <laughs> what I used was a system called Coronto. Huh. Coronto was built on top of NewsPro. Like, it was a, it was a fork of oh, NewsPro, okay. but it was a CGI-based uh, system, no database, because again, by this point, databases still were not really a service that was being offered by like entry level web hosting. Um, yeah. And so, Coronto was all built around 
a a Perl library that would build out flat files. And so it saved yeah. like all your template information, all your structured content information into flat files, and then rendered out all of your HTML pages based on what you needed. Huh. So when you made a change, That's really cool. you hit up the publish button, <clears throat> and then it went through all your pages and would re-render them, which obviously could take some time, uh, depending yeah. on what you were doing. Um, oh, but far less than doing it manually. Shit. I wish I would have known about that. That would have saved me so many hours. Yeah, so I I got into that stuff real early in terms of trying to figure out how to work smarter, not harder. Uh, you know, some yeah. folks were using front page templates. Remember front page extensions? Oh, fuck that, we, man. No. We support no. front page extensions. No. Nope. That, no. Y- you can say no, but it was important then. <laughs> Uh, yeah, fuck that. That, <laughs> that functionality was really important at that time. Uh, yeah. And this was kind of just a different way because I was a kid. I couldn't afford Microsoft Front Page. Um, mm-hmm. Or here's here's one. You know, we Dreamweaver has been around forever. But remember, it mm-hmm. didn't used to be Adobe. It was Macromedia. It was Macromedia. Um, fireworks. Yep, I remember that. Running your images, not yep. doing images, you know, in Photoshop, doing them in fireworks. I could never figure out what to use, what to use with fireworks, but I I used Dreamweaver a little bit. The WYSIWYG editor was like, eh, it was alright. But Coronto still exists today. It hasn't been updated in in a decade, b- but yeah. it's still there and it still that works. That is awesome. And I I think it was um, Netscape 2.0 had a WYSIWYG editor built into it that you could use to edit HTML pages. I do vaguely remember that. I don't know what version it yeah. was, but I do remember Netscape saying, hey, we've released an HTML it editor had... in our in our product. Yeah. It had the, the big white serif N sitting on like a, a kind of a night horizon. And then 3.0 was the navigator version, which had the like the ship turny wheel thing. I have no idea what that's called. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the ship turny wheel thing turny. it's the thing the guy at the, the top of the ship is oh my yeah. god I, this is embarrassing <laughs> nah, i'm gonna let you be embarrassed uh <laughs> so that was sort of the introduction though of me to the cms and that's kind of the gateway between my past yeah. and present a little bit because yeah that's when I had a dynamic website then, and I could build a template and I could do something where I did have server side includes running and I did have a yeah. site where i mean Coronto the the thing I loved about Coronto was like it it was running structured content before not just before WordPress existed but before WordPress mm-hmm. even thought about stuff like custom post types and all of that like years right. and years before yeah. any of that was a thing that's what I will always cool. kind of remember and why. I've I've always kind of kept it in my mind when I talk to people about this kind of stuff because it's like that we've had these tools in some cases for a long yeah. time. It's just a matter of what you are comfortable teaching yourself to use. Because I'll I'll I tell think, you when Coronto well, broke on me, yeah. that was not a fun time because uh, I was not comfortable yeah. fixing it like I am fixing WordPress. <laughs> I th- before before we go to break, I I think one really important point from all the stuff we've just been talking about is that, you know, today the tools are very different and you can pick the stuff up a lot faster and there's a far more information that's freely available, but like the, no matter what, there's no wrong tool to use if you're able to build something and, you know, use whatever you have available to you 
even if it's not like what the professionals are like there's no zero shame in using notepad to do your html editing oh yeah totally although yeah it's hard it's hard there, there is adam now and it's free too so use adam do yourself yeah, a favor well, you know like <laughs> yeah sure i mean like yes you should use the best tools you can access but like you know don't don't sweat don't let the lack of proper toolage like keep you from uh from starting anything at all yeah. you know make your star trek website <laughs> today not tomorrow <laughs> well when we come back back from the break but <laughs> guys it's called drunken ux for a reason i'm just i'm just saying yeah i guess we started i i feel like i didn't start early but yeah given the way we've been talking tonight that's just the the name of the game tonight so when we come back from the break uh we will be talking about the future and the future is now and and what uh you know we what what today's people's nostalgia will be tomorrow god i should what's the space jam site gonna be in i should years? have written something to say there The Drunken UX Podcast is made possible by our friends at GasMark8. GasMark8 is a web hosting firm with data centers in New York, San Francisco, London, and Frankfurt. Customers of GasMark8 enjoy free SSL certificates, sites that are served over HTTP2, and the experience of owners who design the service around the needs of their customers. Listeners of the Drunken UX Podcast can enjoy service for $10 a month. Just sign up at GasMark8.com drunk. That's GasMark, the number 8.com drunk. Hey everybody, hi, how you doing? It's Michael. I'm here with the Dragon X Podcast and with me on the other side of the microphone is... <laughs> Aaron? This is... Yep, I, I'm also I'm also here. Uh, save me. Um, yeah, so thanks for sticking with us and coming, coming back after the break. Uh... <laughs> oh, I almost got him! I almost got him! Oh! <laughs> What's that with your I cow? almost got him! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so you're listening to, to the Drunken UX Podcast. I am glad that you're with us and going down this little walk down memory lane. Yeah, I hope this isn't incredibly boring. Like, I know it's, we probably sound like old men talking about when ice cream cost five cents, but, Here, you know. Here's what I like to think. There are a ton of uh, podcasts out there talking about web development and UX and design and all these things, and they, they talk about the issues. Uh I like to have fun with it, and I I hope yeah. they enjoy us having fun with it. So, I hope so too. I hope you guys do, because this is what you're getting. Uh, I tried spitting the marbles out of my mouth, but I don't know if I got them all. <laughs> so here's my question, Aaron. I want to know. So we, yep. at least I and uh, you, as, you mm. you started on some of your self-hosted. I know a lot of folks start. Um, you know, when they start getting into web development, some of them started with their ISP. I you know mm -hmm. ISPs usually gave you like ten megs and they felt really generous doing that when literally yeah. everybody else was giving you a hundred for free, but they felt really good about <laughs> right. giving you like you know slash tilde your that? last name yeah 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 I, did it still do that I think a lot of them do actually I think like Cox huh. I have I use uh, Cox Cox Communications I still have marbles in my mouth uh, <laughs> I want to say that I actually do have web space with them if I want to use it which I do not. Uh, but huh. a lot between their ISPs, but a lot of people also got that through college. 
Oh yeah, that's universities right. yeah. were really big about giving students space, and it followed kind of that same generous, format. Yeah. You know, you'd have like a little tilde slash your last name. Yep. Is it tilde or tilde? It just depends on where you're from. Uh, in case anybody's curious, if you're not a a Unixy person, the the tilde is the it, it indicates it's your like your home folder. So it's it's using the user accounts spot, and then it's, Apache has defaults, I think, for that. Um, GeoCities died in 2009. Yahoo bought them, and much like our opening conversation about Flickr, <laughs> Yahoo bought lots of things that they didn't really know what to do with. Uh, GeoCities happened to be one of those. Yeah. Um, Angel Fire, oddly enough, still around. That's amazing. It really is, and if you look at it, it looks like it belongs in about 2004. Uh, it's kind of wild. I I didn't go through all the steps, but it does look like it is an up and running service at this point where you can host a website. Where do they host? I wonder who's hosting them. I wonder if it's AWS. That's a thing. Lycos still owns them. Yeah. Lycos is still around. Who knew that was still a thing? Yeah. I have a friend who has a Lycos email. Address. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't know what to make of, of that stuff, but obviously nobody is really using it at this point. Um, right. You know, that's not the way people tend to host uh, host websites. So, like, what what's the new what's, what's the new tripod, Angel Fire, Zoom, GeoCities for today? That's the question, isn't it? Because the thing and the reason that this is a hard question, at least the mm -hmm. way I'm looking at it, is what made Angel Fire and GeoCities and and their ilk so good was that they were free. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. I didn't get my own domain name. Like, it literally, my domain or my address was geocities.com slash television city slash set slash 2052. <laughs> uh, capitalization mattered in all of that, mind you. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, I didn't have my own domain or anything, but I had web space. Yeah. Um, but there aren't a lot of places now where you can go to do that. Certainly not ones that are considered popular. Yeah. And, you know, I think about course you have your zangas and your live journals and your wordpress.coms mm -hmm. and your mediums as of today and yep. while those certainly satisfy a need i don't think they qualify as fulfilling this particular niche hmm. because niche so here's niche or niche which one do you use i used to use the niche maybe niche is a kansas kansas thing uh we we do a lot of stupid stuff <laughs> um see creek or creek so in, I'm trying to think about this from the angle of where can I go if I was a kid for free and build a website? And the first thing that came to mind, even though I don't think it's as popular for this purpose, is Google Pages. Or Google mm -hmm. Pages. Uh, GitHub yeah. Pages. Google right. did have their version. Yeah. Um, still does, for what it's worth, but not nearly yeah. as uh, useful. But GitHub definitely is, I think. You can go, sign up for an account upload html and javascript to it and mm -hmm. have a site it's very classic but i, I think I, I think the thing about the free hosting though with all those sites it was facilitating it, it was a very narrow bottleneck that a bunch of different kinds of users all had go so like whether you were a person like you and i who just wanted to make web pages about a thing or maybe someone else who would ultimately find their home on live journal or wordpress because they just wanted to create content and publish on the web. Different kinds of people had different needs. And I 
I completely agree with you that GitHub Pages is the most parallel to what those other ones used to be, but I'm not sure that, like, I'm not sure that isn't just like an unnecessary constraint that we're putting on. The, the, the need has changed significantly, I think. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't think yeah, you're wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that what I want to encourage people is, especially parents, and the hmm. second half of the show, this is, to me, this is for the parents, that this yeah. is about encouraging your kids to build things. And if you're yeah. using WordPress, if you're using Medium, you are not building anything. You are writing. Right. Well, you're be, yeah, you're, and yeah. Creating yeah. content is a, all equally important. Creating content is yes. also very important, but it is a different deal. And this is also yeah. that angle of building a website meant all of the things in the late right. 90s and early 2000s. It meant I was designing. It meant I was making content. It meant I was writing code. Now, that's way less true. You can kind of do those mm -hmm. things separately and still be successful, um, which is great. That's I, I'm not saying that in yeah. a negative connotation, um, I, yeah. but it does change that landscape somewhat because kids so, want to build stuff. They want to know that they can take something from idea to touchable, as it were. If I, I mean, what, what's your feelings on some of the like cheap shared hosting services like my my first the first domain name that i ever purchased was my same one i use right now it's amhill.net and that was hosted on dreamhost um i still actually have my same dreamhost account but i'm hosting it through digital my website's hosted through DigitalOcean now but um like i know there's like bluehost and hostgator and there's a few others where you just pay like five ten bucks a month and they even have like one click installs for whatever platform you want to use. It just does all the heavy lifting for you and then give you FTP access. And... I I think the first host I paid for was God, I'm I'm sure I'm getting this wrong, but I think it was called ePowerWeb. I think. Okay. Because everything had an E on it at that point. Right. Um and oh. the first domain I bought was Super Satellite. Um that was the first, right. like I say, that was the first time I tried to make a website to actually be a website. Right. Oddly enough, I, I own Feenan.com. I didn't buy that until a few years ago, actually. Like, it's, I think, uh, maybe six or seven years ago. Uh, luckily, I have yeah. a really, really unique last name. So <laughs> it was not a problem getting it, as it turns out. Um I've tried to offer relatives like their name at com, and none of them want it. Oh, I, really? Oh, that's I a don't shame. know what to make of that. Um, oh. But to answer your question, no, I, I do think they, they have a role to play, and I think it is an important role. Um, just like the way we build websites and the way we think about websites um, and the way we would encourage people to you know get into websites has changed. Um, so too has the nature of hosting. And while a I guess the difference to me is a kid could go start building something on GitHub Pages. They can't mm -hmm. start building something on Bluehost because they That's have true. to pay for it. Not as easily. You, you have to have your oh, you have yeah. to have your yeah, parent yeah, yeah. you know sign you up and and put the credit card in. Not that that's a problem, and we'll I'll talk about that I think more here in a second. But um, I do yeah. think they have a role to play, mm -hmm. and it would be interesting to me to see a group like that offer you know something free to kids yeah i don't know what that looks like i know there's all kinds of legal stuff when you're working with kids but 
right, um, right. And there are organizations that are really engaged in in fostering, uh, you know, development and learning. You know, it and it comes down to you know we think a lot about what how things were and now how things are, um, and you mm-hmm. know how hosting has changed over twenty years. Um, you know, we talked the yeah. the uh, we were, we were looking at the developer survey, the the Stack Overflow developer survey earlier tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have a link to the results in that. Also interesting. I think we talked about it in one of the uh, real time ep- uh, overview episodes a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, but quarter of developers have five years or less of experience at this point that's that's incredible and and the people that fall into aaron and i's uh, realm where we have like 12 years or more is also about a quarter yeah and so we're that means half the people have between those two numbers so we're kind of evenly split in terms of that experience level but what we experienced at those mm-hmm. ends of the spectrum, I think is very different, and so it's it's interesting yeah. to think about mm-hmm. this because it's all learning, it's all building. Because I try to avoid this get off my lawn mentality about web development, and I have mm-hmm. it, I have it bad, especially about build processes. <laughs> and we will have an episode to discuss build processes and build tools because Webpack, I hate you. You're stupid. You're <laughs> dumb. You break. I don't know why I have to use you. Whole other story. We should definitely do an episode about. Oh, about it's that. happening. That that will yeah, that will come. Happening. I lo- I don't mind a build process, but I do mind a build process that gets in my way. Um, but <laughs> you know that it, I still I have to set myself back with that perspective and say, you know what? Yeah, it's it's new. It's different. Michael, mm. you're older. You need to learn something here, and you will then see <sighs> that light. Uh, <laughs> We have to do that, and so this is while this may sound a little maybe repetitive or um not helpful, it is i think to to go through this think about what used to be, so we talk about layout mm-hmm. layout was tables, tables yeah. were never built for layout, like tables as a markup no. format was never intended for layout if it, if yours today, if you are still doing tables for layouts, please stop. Please just just and don't, don't do that. While my instinct is to say that's not a warning you have to give people, um, I was looking at a product recently. I won't name mm-hmm. names because I don't want to do that. <laughs> it, but it was a large company, mm-hmm. and their entire product spit out nothing but table-based layout. Not just in the product, but like in the thing you built. And I yeah. nearly cried. That's a yeah. whole other issue, but <laughs> in a, in a strange ironic twist of fate, um, the React table extension for React spits out um instead of using tables, it spits out divs, just divs inside of divs to emulate a table. So it, it it's still it's using <laughs> a div based table instead of table based layout. <laughs> I would say that's faking it until you make it, but I, man, that that doesn't seem like the right uh, metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, you know, when we think about that, though, you know, we we tables weren't built for that, but we learned really quickly that we could mm-hmm. use it that way. Yeah, here, yeah. Again, using the tools you have. Let, let me let me right? let me throw a word at you here. Spacer. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should explain for the people keeping score. When at you home. built table based layouts, you include included an invis because uh, gifs 
sorry, gifts, were uh, they in, they supported transparency. So you would mm-hmm. have a one pixel by one pixel GIF that was invisible. You would stretch it however big you needed because table cells want to collapse. So we would build a table right. cell. We would put a background image in it. And then we would put the spacer mm-hmm. in it to be the size of what we needed to show that image. Uh, you could also use spacer GIFs to do vertical alignment. If you needed something to be 55 pixels from the top of the table cell, you throw in the spacer GIF and you say height equals 55, and then it stretches. And now you know why we have invisibly. padding in CSS. Yeah, and so I, I only mention that because Flexbox, if you some of you new kids using the Flexbox out there, um, well, I learned about that last year, and you can do vertical alignment with Flex, and it, I was like, oh my god, for real? <laughs> like It was so exciting to learn. That you can finally, after 20 years, you can finally do vertical alignment properly. And we're already – and so here's the perfect example, right, that we've gone from tables and spacers to now we've started – you know, we when floats, you know, CSS floats was mm-hmm. like a watershed mm-hmm. moment for people, even oh though floats gosh. are yeah. maddening to use. And then we had yeah. Flexbox, CSS Grid, you know, all the vendor uh-huh. prefixes that come with some of this as they're implementing yep. stuff. but. Think about, especially think about how quickly the conversation has pivoted from Flexbox to CSS grids. In the course of two mm-hmm. years, like that conversation has just changed dramatically. Yeah. And there are people that are already like trying to wash their hands of Flexbox to say, no, CSS grids are the absolute future. Is is CSS Grid's the the PEM thing? Uh, no, no, no. CSS Grid is like it's an actual CSS component now in in three that it's oh, oh it's, really? Yeah, it, it's basically this idea of being able to tell divs how to behave in a you know in what? alignment within a confined space. Um, now I will yield to that discussion because I know because Flexbox has yeah. Very specific use cases. CSS Grid has very specific use cases, both of which have strengths, weaknesses, whatever. Yeah. This is a fight we're having. Imagine what this fight will be looked back on in 15 years, in 20 years. This is the new (laughs) table layout debate. And this is the kids that are learning this stuff now are going to say, remember when we were using Flexbox? Holy crap, how <laughs> stupid. Could we have come up with a dumber name than Flexbox? <laughs> so I think I think it's important to know. I, okay, so I had a client one time. Um, she was a photographer, and this was back in, I think, like mid-2000s, maybe. Um, after I'd run CSS and was doing getting paid to do web stuff. And she really wanted background music on her website. And uh, to make that happen, I had to use frames because I couldn't do Ajax loading of the content and still have it work right with some of the pieces of content that were in there. And I couldn't have it start the song over and over again every time you change pages because my space was already bad with that. So I used the frame, put the music player in, and then that would play it persistently throughout the site. So like, but frames in the mid 2000s. Nobody's using frames anymore, but the technology is still there and you can still yeah. use it. So like, so maybe using a spacer GIF might be useful for someone. Think today. about 
maybe what we're using today you know between like SAS and preprocessors super useful mm-hmm. fantastic utility yeah jQuery there are already a million articles floating around about the death of jQuery you know <sighs> we're already looking back on the way we used to have to hack around Internet Explorer remember oh L- LTE <laughs> less than nine it, it, yes yes you know how oh. long that persisted for us in terms of the way this stuff changes. And every time we do it, we think that we're being so smart about what we've created and the solution we've built yeah. uh, and whether or not that's a hack or not. Because a lot of the times, it very tables were a total hack. But we thought oh, yeah. that was the smartest thing in the world. When when people realized, so before we had, uh, before uh, Luke Rublowski, there's no way I'm saying this name. <laughs> Not at this point. Rublowski. Sorry, Luke. Man, I'm I'm sorry. Change your name, please. Give me something easier to work with. <laughs> Before he came out, was all like, you know, here's what responsive web development is. We had tables mm-hmm. with percentage based widths, and it was yeah. magical. It was this thing that I don't have to worry if you're using a 640 by 480 or an 800 by 600. I can make my site look good for both of them. <laughs> we thought we were being so smart with that. Yeah. And we look back on that now, you know, 15 years later, and it's like, man, yeah, okay, it worked. And we did what well, we were doing the best we could, but we would never so do I think that now. I, I, com- coming back to the point you made a minute ago, like, you know, you're, you're calling them hacks, and, you know, I call them hacks too. And I, I think it's important to clarify for people that maybe aren't familiar with that term that like in this case we mean hacks by cl- a clever solution using something in a way that perhaps it wasn't intended or a clever solution period and the the thing about hacks is that they're great and they work and they usually work really well at a very narrow use case but it's still technical debt is, is there a good german word for that i feel like there there should be there should be <laughs> that yeah. that is dying yeah. for I don't... a good german word <laughs> Gutenberg, that's your German word. <laughs> I'm just kidding, just kidding, Jack. Just kidding. So here's, and I'm I'm kind of wrapping up, but kind of not. Here's my message. I want this whole episode to be about investing in kids' future, kids kids' futures. Yeah. Sorry, plural. <laughs> we were you you brought up Aaron talking about like Bluehost and HostGator and these folks who mm-hmm. do you know basic web hosting. I want parents to think about how much do you spend on anything for your kid? Absolutely mm-hmm. anything. Hostgator, yeah. what is it? Four bucks a month? Three ni- three ninety five, whatever a month. Something like if you're doing low traffic, yeah, it's really it, cheap. The you know a web host is cheap. Buy your kids an ac- access to a, a web hosting service, even at a very basic yeah. level. For four or five, what even even if it was ten bucks a month, what yeah. do you spend ten bucks a month for your kid on that is less useful than something like this might be? It's 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 one trip to Starbucks is the the monthly hosting yeah. cost for for a very basic low traffic. You know, website. we we were lucky in having access to some of these free hosting services, but uh, mm-hmm. and as we said, GitHub Pages is free. If that's mm-hmm. the route you want to go, yeah. buy your kid a domain name. At that point, you could, let's say, use GitHub yeah. pages and point a domain at it. Uh, 
Let, let the kid here. figure out how to do that. <laughs> Google domains. Yeah. Just use Google <laughs> domains. You'll be fine. Uh, yeah. But for that cost, listen, I so here's where I'm going to get a little uh, weepy and, and uh, look back on my childhood. <laughs> you can go out right now, and we have a Facebook buy-sell group, right? I'm, I'm sure Ithaca mm. has 27 of them. <laughs> at least. At, yeah, at least, right? <laughs> Uh, you're yeah. in a how big is Ithaca 200,000 no no oh, not no? that big uh, when college students are here I, I want to say it's like maybe 50 or 60 oh. and then when they're not here it's half okay so, well no you're much smaller than I thought because Pittsburgh's 20 yeah we're 20,000 so yeah uh, but we yeah. have I'm gonna we have several buy sell groups you can get a laptop for a hundred dollars a mm-hmm. serviceable laptop. Now, I want to be very yeah. clear. I know kids, you know, we, and this isn't about kids' access to technology and how that changes how they think and all this. I'm not talking about that. I know every kid has a tablet, mm-hmm. but you can't learn how to do web development on a tablet. Uh, we aren't, mm-hmm. we, we aren't no. there. Yeah. We may get there. I have done it. I have a Bluetooth keyboard. I have GitHub access. I can do web development on a tablet, but it is not fun or easy. Uh, but right. you can get a $100 Windows laptop that your kid can use so that, A, if they break it, you don't care. <laughs> I think that's yeah. the important part there, but that is functional and gets the point across. Listen, when we got our first computer, I want to say it was 1998, 97, 98, because mm-hmm. I'd mentioned my first computer experiences, I did two things. I went to the library and we had a science and technology center, but they only had Apple IIEs and no internet. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how far back we're going here. Green right. screen Star Trek <laughs> games kind of stuff. <laughs> and I remember those games. They were fun. Um, my parents, I realized looking back on it, my parents sacrificed a ton to afford this $2,500 machine that ran Windows 95 with a one and a half gig hard drive and a Pentium 90. Oh my god! <laughs> but that got me from where I would go spend an hour a week at the library to being able to spend an hour a night at home learning this stuff. Yeah, and I would not have my career today had my parents not made that sacrifice, and. So to to all of our listeners who have kids or work with kids or whatever that case may be, this is my screw you moment. You can do this. If if my parents <laughs> at that point, they were self-employed. We were not a rich family. They sacrificed right. to afford a $2,500 computer on, you know, credit to buy that. You can right. afford a $5 a month web host. Yeah. You can afford a $100 laptop for your kid. and. It it literally I am and here if you, because and of if that. you if you can't like I mean you know hundred dollars can be a lot of money even with a big sacrifice but we have a reuse center here in town you can get a, a very serviceable computer that's been cleaned and updated and everything that was donated by someone uh you know they're like forty bucks I it's important to me because I think that that matters. So much because you have access to all these sites. Code.org is an organization completely devoted to helping Mm -hmm. kids learn how to program. And this 
goes much farther than yeah. web development, but programming of any There's sort. There's also um, MIT Scratch. Um, both my kids like to Scratch use that one. Scratch is huge, um, yeah. Scratch is really um, cool. Code Wars. Code mm -hmm. Wars is big. Free. All of these are free. It, yeah. Scratch is free. Code or Code.org yeah. has a free program. The Khan Academy. The Khan Academy stuff is amazing. They have a computer science section. Yeah. So this stuff matters so much and it makes such a difference because yeah. like I say Mike I would I would have a I don't know what I would be doing if my parents had not given me that access as a kid and said, "You know what? We trust yeah. you to build a website." And they were always looking. Maybe about my dad. My yeah. dad's kind of afraid of computers. <laughs> That's okay. But my mom was all because yeah. I was building Star Trek stuff, and my mom's a Star Trek nerd too, so she was super interested in my website. You know, <laughs> be engaged. You don't have to know how they're doing it or what they're doing, but empowering them to go build something and giving them those resources, um, it gives your kids so many paths. And when we did it, it was all about everything, right? But now, right, there are free graphic design resources. There are free content mm -hmm. resources. You, there are free HTML resources. Whatever they are good at, you can find. In something. addition to having kittens and animated jifes, there's also like a wealth of knowledge about how to do web can, stuff. On can we the just web. call out the fact that you just said jifes, which is neither of the two accepted pronunciations? Yes. <laughs> it's the correct Sorry, I I've Shite. I heard that and I had to go there. At, at my kids' school they have uh, Chromebooks and the Chromebooks they can use to do like you know the Google Suite. They think they can do code.org. Um they can do a bunch of like in intro level technology things and I'm pretty sure Chromebooks are in the low hundreds brand yeah. new. And you can yeah. teach the kid to hack it, put Linux on it and make it into a real computer. <laughs> Both my kids only use Linux. Oh, those poor saps. I I say that that's me going back in time because I remember trying to work with Linux when I was a kid, and that was brutal. My, yeah, they they it's it's changed so much. Like it's um, they sat down. My my son got a Windows laptop. My dad and um, he had a hard time using it. Folks. That's what we got for you this yeah. week. I hope it was helpful. I hope it was fun. Um, I know that this maybe yeah. wasn't as educational and useful and helpful as the Gutenberg episode, but I think that this topic is still an important one in its own way, which is why we wanted to tackle it now, especially on the the heels of episode seven. Go back and listen to episode seven, yeah. Coden nine to five. That's the one where we not only we we talk about not so much the. Far more contemporary. Yeah, it's, it's more now, and it's about how you get into web yeah. development, what you need to know to you know make money doing it, and we include a lot of resources for learning and getting better and stuff like that. So these two these two episodes yeah. dovetail well. So we wanted that's why we wanted to do it now and early, um, so we could. And we'll be back to newer stuff next episode. We've, as we've well. got some great guests lined up. We got a guest, right? Uh, y'all yeah. like Jeff. It's, it seemed like y'all enjoyed Jeff, so he said, you know what? Maybe we should have somebody else on who is, <laughs> is drinking less than us. I don't know. <laughs> this episode of the Drunken UX Podcast is brought to you by Gasmark 8. Look, web hosting is not sexy. It's just something that's kind of there. 
You pay every month to the big hosting company that secretly owns all the smaller hosting companies, and you get slow speeds, oversold servers, and terrible support. But the reality is, the couple extra seconds it takes for your website to load could mean lost customers or clients. Less customers equals less money. Where do you go if you want super fast, reliable, and affordable web hosting and you don't really want to babysit a Linux server 24-7? Gasmark 8. Their hosting environment is built for speed and security. All SSD storage, check. Blazing fast WordPress, check. Free SSL certificates for all domains if you don't already have one, check. Data centers on both US coasts, the UK, and mainland Europe, yes, yes, yes. Gasmark 8 was started by an American, Mike Ritualski, and a Brit, Adam Palin. Two hired veterans who met at a conference and started a company making WordPress websites. As more clients complained about their web hosting, Mike and Adam thought over a couple of ciders at the pub that there's got to be a better way. So they built one, and now dozens of small businesses, developers, and nonprofits trust Gasmark 8 with hosting their websites. If you run a web development or creative agency, Gasmark 8 has a great reseller program you can use to upsell their fast and secure hosting to your clients. As a special for listeners of the Drunken UX podcast, Gasmark 8 is offering this limited time special. You can get all the features of their super fast platform for just $10 a month. Just go to gasmark8.com slash drunk to sign up. That's gasmark, the number 8.com slash drunk. Thanks for everybody listening this week. This is, uh, we had a good time talking about stuff, chalking, chalking about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to folks making fun of my old website, frankly. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody is, nobody's finding hey, my old I was website. on like four web rings. <laughs> I'd won like 12 Star Trek awards. It was great. That's amazing. It, That's I, so I, I will honestly say my Star Trek site was really good. For that point in time, it was yeah. a really good website. <laughs> uh, I was pretty proud of it. Well, and Paramount didn't sue me for copyright infringement, so I count that as a win as well. Hey, nice. folks, if you want to follow yeah. the Drunken UX podcast, be sure to check us out. Twitter, Facebook, slash Drunken UX. Uh, same thing with Slack, except we are at drunkenux.com slash Slack. Uh, come chat with us. Let us know how you feel. Yes. I also want to thank everybody who is listening. If you found out about us through the Smashing Magazine post, that was awesome. Um, oh, my God. I, yeah. Oh, believe me, great. I noticed. I saw the numbers. I, <laughs> I know a lot of you are here because of that. So I want to give you guys a shout out and I hope you are enjoying it. This is what we do. We know there's a lot of web development podcasts and a lot of different ways you can get this kind of information. We try to have a little bit of fun with it. And um, I've had a fair amount of vodka tonight. So hopefully you understand it all. <laughs> I apologize if not. But most episodes aren't nostalgic. No, like no, no. This, yeah, this is this a little bit exception. off the beaten path. We yeah. have some stuff coming up on web strategy, on web security is going to be a great uh, mm-hmm. discussion. In between that, there was something else, but I don't remember what it is. <laughs> the the security one, it got uh, Chris, right? Are you going to join us? Yes. We have Chris coming up. Chris Wigman, who uh, uh, helped write the iThemes the security plugin, uh, better WordPress right. security oh, right. if uh, you're older than that. Yeah. Um, so that'll be fun. We've got Elena Waynes <laughs> coming up from the Strategy Car podcast is going to join oh, us. Right. Oh, that's uh, so cool. So tons of stuff coming up. This start. is this is what we do, folks. This is why you're here. So yeah, thanks we, for joining we us. We look forward to seeing you next time. On Monday, Real Time Overview will be coming up. Look forward to that. And with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to bed, guys. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Have fun. Take care. Enjoy. Right. Keep your personas right. close. Yeah. Thanks. And your users closer. <laughs>